Reading and writing are doomed. Literacy as we know it, it's over. Welcome to the post-literate future. This is Beyond Literacy Radio. Beyond Literacy Radio explores the possibility of a post-literate future where reading and writing have been replaced or displaced by something more profound and advantageous. Beyond Literacy Radio. Exploring a post-literate future. You're listening to Beyond Literacy Radio. Tune in to us each week to hear various ideas on post-literacy. Our theme this week is Reading Digitally, where we take a look at what it is, what it looks like in and out of the classroom, and more importantly, what it could look like. Dion, hmm. what do you think if one day we don't have like textbooks to learn from, but like if you just take a pill, you can learn French? That was the response we got when we asked a second-year student from the University of Toronto what she thought would happen if we suddenly entered a post-literate future. I think it's pretty clear a post-literate future is not even comprehensible to today's literate students. They clearly can't even imagine a world without literacy. Hey, I'm Amanda DeVito. And I'm Emma Cooper. We're here today to explore this evidently mind-blowing question of a post-literate future, specifically in an academic setting. From the interview just heard, we find it so intriguing that students find it difficult to imagine a future with no literacy. We are here to find out why this is. To make things a little simpler, we are going to explore the act of reading digitally in an academic setting first, and then push this concept the furthest we can to explore what happens when even the digital is pushed aside and text is gone forever. We want to explore how digital text in the classroom and in a learning environment can affect the dynamics of the classroom, the learning experience of the students, and the wider institution of the school. We're curious about the changes that have taken place with digital reading, and we plan to look at a broad range of topics, including learning and funding. If this is the way the future of learning is moving, then how will the learning of younger generations be affected? If everything we're learning is through a screen or on some digital database, do we even need to sit in a classroom and listen to a teacher talk? I speak on behalf of both Emma and I as students who have been in school well over 15 years. When I say that reading and writing has become so natural to us and the way we learn that we simply can't imagine a world without it. How would we write notes, record things, or even work out a math problem? When we think of learning in a post-literate world, how would we even learn and consume knowledge? These are the kinds of questions that both trouble and intrigue us, and for these reasons, we can't wait to jump right into each and every one. So come with us on this journey to explore what the future of reading digitally in a post-literate world might look like. Imagine it's Labor Day weekend. Friends gathered outside, a noisy hum of laughter, celebrations and good times, clinking glasses, and then it hits you. Tomorrow is school. Yay! Whether you're a teacher, student, 
parent, sibling, you've all experienced the first day jitters or excitement that comes as a package with the first day of school. You pick out your outfit the night before, lay it out over the chair beside your bed. Your school supplies are all freshly sharpened, waiting to be used, sitting in your backpack for the next morning. It's 7 a.m. School. You rush downstairs, eat your cereal, possibly burn your toast, and head out the front door. You run into class, screeching. There's the same hum in the classroom as at Labor Day weekend. And then... Now, we're supposed to be talking about reading digitally, which, by the way, when we refer to reading digitally, we mean reading print that has been put on a digital device. We're still referring to the text or visible language that makes up things like a book or a newspaper, but instead of reading off of a physical sheet of paper, we're thinking about reading written text off of some form of a digital device, something where a screen sits between the reader and the text. A few examples of digital text include things like ebooks, online articles, online newspapers, text messages, databases, e-journals, emails, and web pages. I think Brown does a pretty good job of summing up some history for us. Today's reading experience is not what it was for Gutenberg, Queen Victoria, or even John F. Kennedy. As readers in the 21st century, we find ourselves reading an increasing amount of electronic text, emails, web pages, cellular paper messages, online catalogs and databases, e-journal articles, and now e-books. Digital text on the screen is a pervasive reality in the public arena, in the office, in libraries, and in the home. Now that we have that definition down, let's imagine the first day of school in another way. You run into class, screeching. There's the same hum in the classroom as that Labor Day weekend, and then... Imagine this was your school experience each day upon entering. The sound that you became accustomed and used to, expected to hearing. For many, this may indeed be a reality sooner than we expect. For others, it is a fear of losing our libraries, our writing, and entering a scary period of post-literacy. Now, when we speak of this sometimes terrifying idea of post-literacy, we're thinking about a future where visible language doesn't exist, and we're consuming knowledge in another way. Whether it be ingesting a pill or taking up telepathic methods, there will be no text or visible language involved when consuming knowledge in a post-literate future. An example of this digital reading movement takes place in Alberta, where schools are creating digital exams for the grade 12 students. For our listeners out there not familiar with the Albertan school system, they have to write an exam in order to graduate, similar to Ontario's requirement to volunteer for 40 hours, or the literacy test. Without it, you don't graduate. An assistant principal at a Catholic elementary secondary school explains that the move is needed as a lot of students are most comfortable with that kind of electronic environment these days. He says these tests could include video clips in the exams. But what about issues of privacy and new types of cheating? Already, Albertan schools have been testing on a secure electronic testing site called Quest A+, a platform that locks down all other programs on students' computers so only the tests can run. This will be in place by 2017. 
This idea of a digital classroom is similarly echoed by Dr. Jeanette Hughes, a professor at UOIT, where she researches the end of traditional notions of literacy using digital reading and poetry. She looks to other researchers, such as Cress, who argues that very soon the screen will govern all our communication practices. Students will understand language use within an electronic medium. There even was a group of students who used Corel presentations to create a Zeus-like poem for a class project. Andrew Campbell, a teacher, says, We're in the job of teaching kids to communicate. The reality is that very little of our communication is done through these old means. This teacher has taught his grade 4 and 5 class to tweet through a shared Twitter account. The Peel District School Board even has a bring-your-own-device initiative, including smartphones and tablets. They use a program called Remind 101 so that parents can read digitally through text messages about homework deadlines, as some families don't have computers but instead have a cell phone. Wow, this is all just too crazy. It seems like education is really evolving towards the digital. I guess this really all makes complete sense, since as present-day students, we're constantly being surrounded by new technologies that enable us to access information, in many cases, instantaneously. We've become so used to having the information we desire at the click of a button that we're only moving forward faster into this world of information access. For example, e-readers have made it easy to carry a number of books with us on a road trip or plane ride in one slim, hand-sized device. We can purchase new books on the go without ever having to visit a chapter's Indigo or Coles. That's right, and we haven't even discussed universities yet. At the University of Toronto, some students claim electronic textbooks are 50 to even 70% cheaper than first edition print editions. Digital books can be updated without writing an entire new edition. Consider obsolete information. It's also not as heavy. The shift to digital literacy just seems so convenient that there doesn't even seem any reason to not keep moving forward with it. We can help the environment by saving paper, can store an infinite amount of information in large databases, clearing spaces off of crowded bookshelves, and we can even navigate through text more easily than ever. But Amanda, there are still those who aren't a fan of reading digitally. Some may think that the experience of reading from a digital device just doesn't compare to the experience of holding your favorite paperback that was passed down from generation to generation. And as for students in an academic setting, perhaps it is easier to make notes and highlight important points on a physical book over a digital text. Matt Richtel, a writer for the New York Times, explains there is a widespread belief among teachers that students' constant use of digital technology, including reading digitally, is shortening their attention spans. Interestingly, a doctor who studies the impact of technology on the brain at the Seattle Children's Hospital explains that the heavy technology use makes reality, by comparison, uninteresting. He believes that being raised in digital culture, which makes you a digital native, is altering our neurological structure, and therefore the way people think, read, and write. He says we live in a state of always waiting for the next call, text, email, or digital poke. He explains how he remembers how ebooks were supposed to revolutionize publishing about a decade ago, and didn't. Then there are questions about using digital reading products. Who sets prices for digital content? 
A professor at Western University declared recently that the use of digital technology in higher education has promoted ignorance and has severely degraded basic reading, writing, and thinking skills. He says it's time to hit the off button. He claims almost all undergraduate students in North America are addicted to texting on their smartphones and checking their Facebook pages on an hourly basis, and that calling for more digital technology in education today is like calling for more white people in the Republican Party. Bazinga. He does say the use of the computer as a delivery device for text and images is largely a positive development. Gone are the nights spent in the bowels of the university library, looking through card catalogs and the social science index for books and articles. And in case you were wondering, this professor teaches at the Faculty of Information and Media Studies. If teachers are already getting worked up about reading digitally, and we're still using reading and writing, what will the reaction be when there's no reading and writing? What about teaching through telepathy? Taking a pill to learn French? Will the teacher become obsolete? I had the chance to interview a secondary math teacher, John Cooper, on what he thought reading digitally meant, as well as how it could affect his classroom. I also asked Nathan Cooper, a current University of Toronto student studying media studies to offer specific viewpoints on the topic of reading digitally and post-literacy. I asked Nathan if he preferred digital reading to others, since he seemed to do so much of it. I think that it um, makes it a little bit more interesting and helps the, the reader to understand better because more of your senses are engaged. He seems so on board with the idea of reading digitally, so I decided to push it a little further, asking what would happen if you could take a pill or learn digitally without the reading and writing to see what he thought of post-literacy. He said that he thought education... Well, it would also, it would be the, the previous form of what education would then be. For example, you, like, just as typewriters are no longer used, where computers have taken their place, this new pill form would be the new uh, way of education. That's how people would be educated. So, in effect, the actual meaning of education would change? No, I think that the meaning of education would stay the same. It would just be a different delivery method. Rather than having to sit in a classroom and learn all this information, the delivery method would be instantaneous. John Cooper, when asked how reading was incorporated into his classroom, explained. We have dear time once a day, so yes, for 20 minutes we do reading. Uh, In math, sometimes the students will read their examples before they do the questions. When prodded to see if reading should be included further, he said, We already have 20 minutes a day, that should be enough. Sure, I like to read, but I don't want to force the kids to read. Yeah, they can use uh, their their cell phones to read or their iPads, whatever. That's fine. What I seemed to find so interesting was that he distinguished between math and reading. So I asked him. Well, mathematics is a little bit different as far as reading is concerned. You don't, on a day-to-day basis, do a lot of reading. So you don't, like, read the... The symbols and algebra? Yeah, but you don't classify that as reading, per se. It's not like reading a book. Why not? <laughs> delta Y over Delta X, that's not reading. That's just math symbols. I suppose it's a form of reading, but certainly not 
the same as reading a book. Oh, okay. Um, now, so you currently don't use that many um, digital products in your class, really, because of the nature of math, then, you would say. Oh, well, we can look at things on a computer. Like, what do you do right now in your uh, class? You mean, look, as far as looking up things are concerned? Yeah. Look up definitions. So Math terms. Math terms, okay. Definitions. Um, history of math. You can look that up. And you use that in your lessons? Yeah, sometimes. I tried to push post-literacy with my dad, just as I had with Nathan. I asked, What if they no longer wrote down their word problems? What if they no longer wrote down their algebra or their geometry? What would happen to your math classroom? It would fall apart. It would fall It'd apart. Be, it wouldn't be law, any, it wouldn't be math anymore. Math is pen and paper. Math is pen and paper. What if, for example, kids could take a pill and they could learn math? Ridiculous. You don't think that could happen? No. Okay. Polyzone. What about um, telepathy? What if kids could... More Twilight Zone. More Twilight Zone. People don't read for enjoyment, but they still do read to learn. People don't read fiction, right? So much like they used to. They'd rather watch a movie. But if you're in university, you have to do readings to, to learn. So where, how does math, math fit in with that? Well, I, think, I still think you need... Math is complex. You need instruction for that. Someone's got to help you through it. You can't do it on your own. Not many people can do math on their own. And you can't just be like inherently born with the ability oh, to yeah. do math? Oh, yeah. A lot of people are. A lot of people are. But that, that a lot of people, still a small percentage, can just do it without any help at all. Oh, yeah. I've got kids that are brilliant who can do that stuff. But not the majority. You the still vast think majority they need needed, to be oh, instruction. For sure. For sure. And you think that this instruction still needs like your standard like language in order to teach it? It can't be done through a teacherless method. We can watch math lessons on TV, I suppose. I don't know if they're as effective. Why don't? Why not? As because it's not, because the uh, the the teacher goes at a speed that is prearranged by TV. Whereas when you're teaching it yourself, you can look at the kid's eyes and see whether or not you have to speed up or slow down. It's clear that both the teacher and the student have very different viewpoints on this topic of digital reading and post-literacy. In addition to these two very opposite viewpoints, there are also the fence-sitters, those who aren't exactly sure which side of the issue they sit on. Scholastic breaks down the issue into distinct categories of thought. Print may be better for the hands-on experience, falling in love with reading, and focusing on a child's attention. There are also studies to suggest digital reading matches print for boosting early reading skills. But it may also trump print because it's more interactive, it's more rewarding, and caters to a kid's unique learning style. They don't even consider what a future might look like without literacy. Mike Ridley brings up an interesting learning experience of learning through the ingestion of a pill. What if we could take a pill to learn French and instantly have the skills to speak French? Or what if we were telepathic and didn't know it yet? What if we could gain knowledge through telepathic means and there really was no need for a teacher to be teaching in front of the class? 
That all sounds great and everything, but would this ever really happen? The challenges with the shift to the digital already present themselves as issues that must be dealt with at all levels of academia. Can you imagine if reading and writing were completely lost and we needed to adopt another means of learning? I just don't believe this could ever be. The challenges in terms of budgets, access to education, literacy skills, the greenness of technology, copyright issues, and the physical form that we saw with the shift to digital literacy in elementary and secondary education prove that it's not just that easy to adopt a new way of doing things. I just don't think it's realistic. Clearly, there's a possibility. However, it is difficult to imagine because we are literate beings. Although we don't take a particular position on the issue, we think it's important to realize the shift and how we have moved to the digital. It's also important to realize that as technologies have evolved from paper to digital, they will only keep evolving and a post-literate future is certainly a possibility. Whether it will ever happen or come into effect is something we cannot determine. What we can say is that through our research, we have found that there has been a constant evolution of literacy in academic settings, where different challenges and obstacles are constantly presented with a changing way of learning. In a post-literate future, there's no doubt that similar, if not the same, challenges will be presented and must be overcome to move successfully into a future where literacy no longer exists. This has been Beyond Literacy Radio with Emma Cooper and Amanda DeVito. You can visit us on Twitter at Beyond Literacy and for further reading, visit www.hickstro.org or wfs.org slash interview, which looks at the question of the possible death of the library. Tune in next week to hear our colleagues discuss some more thoughts on post-literacy. Beyond Literacy Radio is a thought experiment conducted by a team of graduate students at the iSchool of the University of Toronto. I'm Michael Ridley, the instructor in the course. For more information and to participate in the dialogue, go to beyondliteracyradio.com and join the conversation on Twitter, at Beyond Literacy.